difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. No, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains over here. Yeah. And you can stay over there. Stay. Cause this is revolution mixed with execution. We insane over here. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on Anchor FM. And joining me here on the location, this man will be fighting once again. It'll be August 20th, only on Showtime. He'll be taking on Adrian Broner in a light welterweight scrap. And, well, he is ready to not only uh, make a statement win, but get himself back in the 140-pound title hunt after a little bit of a exploration in uh, the welterweight division. I give you all the way from Alaska, Texas. I give you it's Omar Figueroa Jr. Uh, Omar. So you've seen Broner at times, all the good and the bad. Um, with a guy like him, how big is it just figuring out the timing? Because he will commit, he will throw big shots. He will come after you. He will try to load up on the big, you know, overhand rights, uh, the uppercuts. How big is it in this fight to really, you know, press him and not let him just plant his feet and start just power punching away? I mean, we're we're trying to prepare for any and all versions of Broner because, like you said, we we don't know what conditions he's going to be in. So we're just trying to make sure that we cover all our bases. We're trying to make sure that I'm in the best shape possible, that I'm in the best place mentally, physically, everything possible. So that whatever he may throw at us, that we're able to to deal with it. Recently, I know there was a, there was a Zoom, a Zoom session between the two of you. He stormed off. You, like the professional, stayed for the entire time. You answered questions. Uh, do you ever get envious of him in terms of he's always got the big fights, whether it was Marcus McDonough, whether it was Sean Porter. And even when he lost, he still got, you know, Mikey Garcia. He got. Adrian, you know, Manny Pacquiao. I mean, do you ever do you ever look at him and go, wow, you've I've had to work for what I've got, and here you are, you've always gotten these big money opportunities. No, I mean the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and I feel like he's the squeakiest wheel there is. So that's why he keeps getting these opportunities. I mean, people love to people love that. And he's he's he makes for good television. So I'm not envious. I, if anything, I admire him because he keeps putting himself in these positions, like you said, you know, the big money fights, the important fights. And that's what we all want, you know, in a sense. It's just he has he has the guts to do it. And that's that's one thing that I applaud him for. So how come you don't do that? then? Because I mean, because you could easily just go on and all of a sudden pull up Broner or Colby Covington you know, go full on pro heel wrestler, just, you know, talking trash, insulting people, flipping people off, double bird, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, you know, that gets the grease and, you know, the, the, you know, the good fights because people love the bad guys. So how come you don't go full on heel and start just hamming up so that no matter what people go, Ooh, I want to see him in the ring, whether it's you see him, you know, knock somebody out or get knocked out. I want to see him in the ring. Yeah, you know, that's a good question, but I think it just has to do with the way I was raised and the, the kind of person that I am. And, you know, plus, I, I, I mean, it's 
it's out on the open now. I've been dealing with so much outside of boxing. I've had so many mental health issues that I've been dealing with. And I don't know if that's part of the reason why, you know, the way I was raised and everything that I went through that I just, that I don't know if it's, if it's a me thing or if it's just something that, I don't know. That's a good question though, because I have honestly that that has crossed my mind so many times where I'm like, I could just start talking so much shit and like, just start calling people out and just start causing a ruckus and you know like I've I've had those same thoughts but that's just that's just not me I guess I guess I would be losing my essence the Omar Figueroa essence whatever that is you know if if I started doing that because that's just not me you know I'm glad you brought that up for you take me first take me to the mental health because we, we you know every fighter will talk about like Oh yeah, I've suffered this injury, a bad injury. Yeah, I, you know, a broken hand. Hey, I, you know, broken toe. I've you know cracked ribs, and for years nobody talked about. Look, I have anxiety. Look, I have depression. Look, I have, you know, panic attacks here. And yeah, that was for years taboo. So for you, like, wanting to get to the point where like, look, I got to deal with this here, so I'm gonna go crazy. Well, it obviously. I mean, I I have the utmost faith in myself, in my boxing abilities and, you know, whatever. I, I never thought I was going to lose because I know I know how I am and I know how good I am and I know my my abilities, you know. And so after the, you know, every time that one of my fights was pushed back or something, I mean, I I, I, I never lied about being injured. I have broken my hand so many times. I have been injured. So, I mean, we put our bodies through the ringer, you know, when we're in camp. So, but, but the physical injuries, I feel like we can deal with, you know, it's, it's when there's a mental problem behind the injury, that's what would screw me up at least, you know, if I, if, if I was, like I said before, I was ignorant to all this mental health stuff. I just, you know, especially in, in the Mexican culture there, you know, even now that I've been diagnosed, you know, I still have trouble conveying these, these kinds of things or these, these feelings or, you know, my thoughts or emotions, you know, I, I, I have trouble getting through to my family, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that, that if, if if you're not right in the head, then you're not gonna get you're not gonna get very far, and that's that's something that I'm trying to change because us fighters are human too, you know, and and we go through so much. Just but at least myself, like I can't help but think that any any one of the punches that that lands on me could change my life forever, and not just my life, but my family's life, my kids' life, and and everyone everyone around me. You know, any any one of these punches could be the last. And I'm not saying I'm not talking specifically about death, but, you know, there are so many things that could go wrong. And we're, we're our brain is our most important organ. And we, we put it through so much, especially with, like I said, with camp and the fight and sparring and everything. And I feel like it's time for us to start taking that into consideration, too, to start looking at fighters as human more than anything. And, and I just want to normalize that because it's, I feel like it's so important. And that's why, that's how we have so many, so many guys and so many, and not just, in not just boxing, obviously, but 
in general, you know, that are committing suicide and that are, that are just doing these atrocious things because they don't have their mind right. And that's, that's one thing that I hope changes, you know, in the future, especially for us fighters. You probably heard this before, but I'm guessing when you were talking to people and you're opening up, there were people that said, oh, don't be depressed. As if, oh, yeah, well, you're depressed because you're thinking about being depressed. Don't be depressed. And I'm guessing that just bothered you. Like all of us does here. How tough was it finding people to be sympathetic when I'm guessing there were a lot of people thought, oh, wait, wait, what does Omar Figueroa have to be depressed about? He he has Al Heyman. He's on TV. He's fighting. He's making big bucks. And I'm guessing there are times you're looking going, you don't get it. That's not like I want to be depressed. It's just these things start just boiling over. It's like, you know, a runaway locomotive. And once it hits, you can't stop it. You're just thinking it. And for you, how tough was that finding people who understood, look, we get what's going on here. We understand this is something that when it hits, you're just, there's no control over it. Well, you know, this, this past year, especially after my last fight, uh, it, it was something that, that I, I had to put myself first. And, and that's, that, that's the biggest change that I made. And, you know, I had a really, really rough upbringing and, and it's, and it sucks that I, that I, say it that way because honestly my parents love me more than anything on earth you know and and I know that my parents want the best for me and I know that they did everything in their power to give us the best life possible but but ignorance played a huge role in that in 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 screwing us up you know uh and it's just I I want to change that you know I want to bring light to that to 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 parents that think that that they're doing a great and I'm not saying like I said I don't I don't mean to bring my parents down or anything but it's just now that I you know in retrospect now knowing what I know now it's like dang like if only they knew you know and I just want to make this this kind of information more readily available for parents especially like I said in the Mexican culture I mean it's it's tough man and like and like i said even now that i've been diagnosed and i'm dealing with all this stuff i i try to you know talk to my to my parents about it and it's it's kind of pushed aside or or you know overlooked or not given the importance and and recently we just found out that what it, a close uh, close family friend committed suicide and you know and again the it brings up the the uncomfortable subject but it's something that I feel especially like I said in Mexican culture we need to discuss we need to be more open about these kinds of things and we need to normalize being human that's that's my main point is that we're we're human I don't I don't care if we're monsters in the ring if, if we look like we're untouchable if, we're, if we look like we're impermeable we're not we're just humans like you know like you and the, and the next guy and the next person and and that's it. How much is it for you is it also tough where your brother has become also a, a star fighter, and to a lot of people he's sort of the epitome of what Mexican boxing is, and he's had great success. Kale win over Luis Neri. Uh, now he just won this past June over Carlos Castro. Had a very tough loss, but still a competitive loss against Stephen Fulton. In compared to you, how tough is it? You know, when with Uber has always been the stigma. Of, well, he 
he's not fighting his potential. He should be more. And then when you hear your brother, it's like the fans love him, the critics love him because he is this, you know, blood and guts fighter and you're not the same kind of fighter. I mean, how much does that sort of add on to all the stress and the anxiety when it's like, God damn, I can't even be happy for my brother because people just are, you know, crapping on me. And yet with him, it's, hey, you're awesome. Well, no, it, it was never like that. I Everything I, I did was to to help make my brother's life better so he didn't have to go through what I went through. So there was there was there wasn't any ever any of that. I'm if anything, like I I put it on my social media before I've I I I live my life for them, you know, and and uh and it's on on I don't remember where it was and what I think it was on Facebook, you know, I put, you know, if I do nothing more with my career but inspire my brother to be the best person possible then then I've done a good job. You know, like my worth isn't going to be what I did with boxing. My worth isn't going to be how many titles I want. At least that's not what I want my worth to be. You know, my worth is going to, to at least to me, is going to be, you know, the, especially now that I've been honest and open about this whole mental health thing that I've been that I've been on. You know, I've had people reach out to me and, and to, to thank me and let me know that I've helped them out of, you know, a tough situation, whether it was depression or suicidal thoughts or, you know, whatever. But having somebody that's that has some sort of platform speak on these things and just like I said, normalize being human. I feel like that's that at least. It, it well obviously not right now I have this very important fight that I'm that I'm obviously training my ass off for and and going to be 100% for and everything but I feel like this whole like I said the whole mental health thing that I've that I've that I've come on that I've come on supersedes all that that's that's really what what is driving me now and that's why even more so I want to be the best version of myself whether it be in the ring or outside the ring but especially in the ring because that's what's going to give me the platform to reach as many people as possible and and just try to push the subject of you know mental health and normalize being human taking back to the ramos fight just to lead up alone how tough was it for you when you hadn't fought in two years because the pandemic and also injuries, but mostly the pandemic because, hey, look, all of a sudden 2020 hit and boxing was put on the shelf. Uh, meanwhile, you're taking on a guy in Abel who, leading up to that fight, he hey, he had three, you know, he had two of the fights. He had Brian Perella, he had Jordanus Ugas, a knockout win, a split decision loss, which to him he was very motivated about. How much you look back at that fight and go, I wish I had more time. I wish I had, you know, another fight in between. So it was not, I wasn't fighting off a two-year layoff, dealing with mental health, getting back into 147, which wasn't, which now, as you said, you're back down to 140. How much do you ever look back at that fight and go, man, I wish I didn't take that fight. I wish I had, you know, a fight in between before I just jumped back in, you know, right after this whole layoff and everything. No, not, like I said, none of that. I have no regrets. Um, we we were more than ready for that fight. Honestly, I I know I could have finished him in the early rounds had I been had I been good. But I don't know. I I mean I don't want to use this whole mental health thing as an excuse either. You know I worked my ass off for that camp. 
my weight was great for that camp. I mean, I started camp pretty much at 154 pounds. I'm not a 47 pounder. The only reason I went up to 147 was because of all the injuries that prevented me from training properly and which made, you know, the weight cut just even that much harder. I mean, losing the weight cut is one of the hardest things that boxers have to do. And I feel like that's what separates the men from the boys as well. So having to, to do the weight cut with injuries and not being able to, I hadn't hit the bag. I hadn't been able to spar. I hadn't been able to do mids. So it just complicated everything even, even more so. So, so that, I mean, you know, like I said, for that, for that fight, the weight wasn't the problem. I, it was just, there was just so much going on. And, and I don't know, like I said, I don't know if, if it, it I'm pretty sure it had to be something mental that I was going through because as soon as I stepped into the ring, my, my legs just felt disconnected. And I know I heard him in the first round. I know I could have finished him in the first or second round and I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him, but it's just, like I said, I, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I, I have, you know, I have no idea what the heck happened that fight. I just know that my legs just, weren't there and and that's it you know congratulations to him for winning um for for winning that fight he deserved it but you know I know obviously everyone saw that I wasn't even anywhere near my best and it's just unfortunate that's the way to happen but hey we're here now and and this is what matters you know from here on forward last question for to let you go so so why box because it, this sport is brutal. It puts a tax on your body. It's mental, mental health wise, it's not good because you all people will say, hey, this guy sucks here, even though he's 28 and two, has won a world title, you know, has made money. So you're ahead of the game. Whereas, you know, you constantly are, you know, dealing with internet hate, online hate, boxing people, fans, TV. You have given up everything at times to get to, to make weight. You probably had to give up even normal life sometimes to make weight and make, you know, be in shape. After all this, what is it about boxing that you still look and go, I still love this. I still, I still want to do this. Like for you, what is it about boxing that you just can't get rid of it? I tried every other sport that was available, you know, base, I mean, baseball, I did love. And I, and I, I, I do just, ha- I do have a little bit of regret there not having tried to go further in baseball. But other than that, I mean, when I thought about it, I, I, I was only, especially in high school, I was only like five, six, five, seven, uh, a buck 30, a buck 40 pounds. And, you know, I just knew my chances in baseball weren't going to be that great. You know, at least in boxing, you're fighting someone that's around your height, around your weight. And so I feel like the, the, the stakes are level, you know. And uh, so, yeah, plus I've, I've been doing this my whole life. I mean, I started when I was six years old and honestly, I, I love, I love fighting. I don't think there's, there's anything else that would, that would fulfill me the same way. I just feel like it's, it takes so much and it's such a difficult sport and such a beautiful sport as well. I, I just don't think anything else would fulfill me the same. Very and, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's going to be all the way on October. August 20th, it'll be the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel Casino, Florida. And this man will be taking on Adrian Broner once again at a light welterweight fight. We're looking forward to it here. I give you once again, all the way from West Lasco, West Lasco, Texas, I give you it's 
Omar Figueroa Jr. Omar, before I let you go, so where can fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where can fans hit you up at? Yeah, I think it's just my name, Omar Figueroa Jr., and they'll find me pretty much everywhere, except TikTok. Omar Figueroa Jr., ladies and gentlemen, once again, always an honor, pleasure to have you on the show. We can we come back. Got a lot more going on here. All this and more only on its last call. Last call for the alcohol only on Anchor FM. Joining me here on the line, this man will be fighting once again. It will be another heavyweight scrap, and this time against Gokram Sakram in a Bellator main event or triple main event. We're looking forward to it here. I give you once again the Pride Joy America Top Team. I give you with Saeed Salma. Saeed, let's start off here with. Uh, so you, it's good news is you're taking on a striker. The bad news is uh, taking on a, a determined striker. Uh, is it easier fighting a guy like this who he's not a wrestler, doesn't have any wrestling ability in terms of like takedowns, or is this a bit of a problem because he's a elite level strike, you know, a pretty damn good striker who can knock people out with one punch or one kick? I think it's a little easier. There's less to focus on. So I just have to zoom in on his striking and um I'm comfortable with the wrestling regardless. So it's not like that. It's like I'm pulling that back, but it's just uh focusing in on one on one section you know in one game so makes it a little easier i think for me break it down for me here because this is also a bit of a rivalry fight in terms of 
your America top team. He is I mean, there's so many damn name changes that came to keep ball, but it's Henry Hoof. So oh, I didn't you know, know he was, have a I didn't know he trained there. He, he does train there. He works out with because I remember he's trained with Linda Sell, a bunch of those guys over there. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Well, um I, yeah, this is I'm just, you know, taking the next fight. I, I keep on fighting. I didn't know it was a uh, a rival a rival Jim rivalry fight. Sorry. My English is not so good with that. When you have a guy go from that other gym down at, you know, right literally right down the street. I mean, is there more bragging rights of a gym? Like, okay, you can't lose to these guys. They're just really a-holes. Well, you know, you gotta beat this guy here because goddamn, I don't have to hear, you know, Henry Roof to his people. You know, I, th- I think the gym, the the gym versus gym thing, it's it's more in an athletic way, but not that they're that they're a-holes, you know. Like I met some of the dudes and they're actually great people. I've met Linton in person. I've met Steve Maury after our fight, like had great talks with him. Uh, well, two great talks, but great nonetheless. Great people, man. Uh, good athletes. And I'd say they're worthy of of being our ri- rivals. All right. No, I, I wasn't saying that we're a-holes. Just it's bragging rights. It's right down the street. So, I mean, for oh, the top okay. team. Yeah. We're the toughest gym in South Florida. to beat these guys because they're, you know, they are the other gym down the street. Yeah. Well, we are the toughest gym in, in South Florida, so that's that's one way to look at it. And yeah, that's that's what you're trying to. Am I yeah. getting that right? You are, yes. Okay. So let's break down the fight here. I'm guessing your team has broken him down. Gokum Sarakam. Yeah, he's he's fought on the Bellator cards. He's seven and one. Like from what you know, what you've seen, like what makes him an effective striker, considering. He's mostly a striker. He's not a wrestler. He hasn't had much wrestling. It's just his striking is his bread and butter. Yeah. He moves a lot, man. He's got great movement, uh, good in and outs. He's a lighter heavyweight, or at least lighter on the feet kind of heavyweight. So I got to I gotta be able to keep up with that speed because he is taller and longer. So I got to I gotta make sure I'm uh, able to cover that distance before he gets back out. So when you have a guy like that, you change – your body in terms of like, okay, he's, he's a smaller heavyweight. I want to get lighter. I want to be lighter on my feet. I want to lose maybe an extra 10 pounds. Or is it just like, okay, we're going to figure out angles. We'll tack that way. We're going to figure out, you know, timing. We'll do that way without changing your body and going, okay, we're going to drop 25 pounds or an extra 20 pounds and let's do this thing. I only weigh 240, man. There's not much to drop. You know, if I go too small, I'll be too small of a guy. I'm already a small heavyweight to begin with. So um, the lightest I'll be is maybe in 238, 239. Uh, the cardio is always there. And then um, I have, I've got good eyes. So um, I'm relying on, on that to be able to see that long jab he throws or the kick to be able to catch and counter or make a miss, make him pay kind of thing. And, um, but the, the game plan for long strikers like that is, is still pretty similar. I'm still a counter fighter. Uh, but it's it's hard with all his movements, so we're gonna we're gonna be pushing forward a little more than usual. We're gonna go back to this fight a bit. Take me back to the last fight. It was you versus uh, another once again another undefeated kid in Davion Franklin. Mm-hmm. I only spoke with both of you guys. You both said, "All right, this is gonna be the game plan. This is what we're gonna do." Take me to those words first. Split decision. I mean, when you hear that, how much is that sort of like, "Oh crap, I don't get screwed." Oh crap! I might win this, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, mother bleep. I mean, how tough was it hearing those words? Like, split decision. 
it was it was kind of a shocker because from inside the fight, he didn't land any clean punch. Everything missed. Um, I you know I made sure to circle back to the middle. I put his back on the cage a couple times. Uh, he did get that takedown. So I was like, all right, that that could give him that one round or give him that split. But I didn't think I'd uh, lose a fight. Now looking from the outside, it was him chasing me the whole time. So I'm fighting backwards. As an MMA, uh, I guess how the, the MMA world sees it, it does it doesn't look good when you fight backwards. They don't like it, and um, it's more of a boxing. Like if it was a boxing point system, I'd see why I, I'd say I'd win. But then, um, yeah, man, just I, I didn't I, in the fight while I was there. I was like I was very comfortable. I was like I had no way I'm losing this. He, he didn't land one punch. I'm glad you brought that up because you, you said that, you know, you're fighting backwards a lot. And I know that when we talked about you, your strategy was, okay, I'm going to drag him in deep water. I want to see what happens when he's not just first, you know, three minutes, two minutes, 50 seconds, landing those big shots and overwhelming. Like, were you surprised that he didn't gas out as much? I mean, were you surprised that like, takedown? How much of that was like, oh, crap, I can't believe he still had enough energy to do that when – He's, you know, he's coming forward, throwing a lot of big shots, not really landing much, but still just exerting a lot of energy. I was surprised. He kept trying. He did keep trying, but he was definitely gassed. Uh, there was foam coming out of his mouth. I was like, oh, man, his gas tank is going. But every time I got close, he would still keep swinging. I was like, geez, like he has he definitely toughed it out, you know, like it put his mentality out there and then made sure to charge. I gave him the chance to charge up. So I made some mistakes. Learned about that. So when someone gasses, I, I need to stay on them. But I let him, I let him charge and uh, recharge a little bit so he can do those big movements. And um, but he definitely surprised me. I didn't think he he he'd jump any more in the second or third round. You know. So when that happens, when so you, you lost by split decision and you're you're sitting there, I mean, do you ever like get to talk to some of the judges or talk to people? And go, hey, what do you think happened here? Why do you think I lost this? You know this fight and how do I fix it? Because it must be frustrating where, you know, this is a fight where you're going, okay, I, I did everything I was supposed to do. Didn't land any big shots. I landed the clean of shots. I should win. And then you go, what the hell just happened here? Yeah. So there's a couple of coaches who did say why they would give it to him. And, um, but most fighters I've, I've, that I've spoken to think I got robbed and most fans or more yeah, most fans think I lost because they see the big oohs and ahs, you know? Like, he jumps, he does uh, spinning this or uh, flying that. And then um, the uh, I haven't spoken to any judge, so I don't know. But from my own experience, I know that forward pressure is a big thing sometimes, I guess. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the judges score because there's there's been some stuff happening lately. Like the like usually the takedown wins, but then AJ McKee, for example, was on top almost his whole fight, but still lost. So uh, I just learned that you can't leave it to the judges more and more. You know, it's weird because uh, you know you talk to people and it's like, okay, you lost a fight, but more people were fans because they looked and went, okay, well he's legit. You know, this isn't you know he he is a fight you should have won. You know, some people say you should have won. Uh, yeah. Good. Franklin didn't dominate him. Uh, I mean, how much do you look at this and go, okay, well, it's weird. It's, 
And, you know, even though you beat other guys, like this loss sort of gave you more respectability, it seems almost, with, you know, fight fans, fight experts, because, hey, you know, we were, you get overwhelmed and you surprise people. Say that again, sorry. I said, is it weird that, you know, even though you've beaten other people, this mm-hmm. loss sort of helped you out because for other people, it's like, oh, well, you looked very good against an elite level kid. And it wasn't, you know, a weird win. It wasn't, you know, so it wasn't strange. It was just you lost. But most people thought, oh, it was very competitive. And you, a lot, a lot of fight fans, you know, or fight experts thought, hey, you, you probably should have won that fight. And, um, yeah, I, some people do, some people don't, man. I, I, I think it all depends on what people see. Um, but fight experts, the people on the more technical side of not just ground control, but striking wise or, or, or hitting back or answering, I think was my thing. Uh, but I didn't answer enough. I didn't do enough. I didn't make it clear enough of how much better I am than him. I was very relaxed. I was very comfortable. I didn't feel, um, I didn't feel, and I felt threatened the first maybe minute or second after his first splurge. I was like, all right, it's, I can see all of this very easy. And then I fought down, you know, it's my, I'm not, he did great. He did his best. I'm not talking bad to him. I'm just saying I did not do the best I could or the most I could. I didn't fully listen to my coach. He called in for some calf kicks, didn't throw them. Um, yeah, man, that's, but listening to people, you learn a lot. The experts tell you things that you didn't realize or didn't uh, think about that you had to do in a fight to make it look like you want to, even if you can't knock someone out. How much do you think sometimes it hurts? I bring this up here because we had Tim Johnson. He was bringing this up that you don't sometimes look the part. When I say look the part, everybody looks down for heavyweights and they think, oh, it should be Cyril Gagne. It should be, you know, Lynn Vassell. It should be Francis Naganu. Big monsters, you know, six pack abs built like, you know, they can't have a WWE, you know, universe sort of, yeah. you know, game, video game. And here you are, this five foot 11, 240 pound guy who's in shape, not, you know, defined, defined, but still an average guy, you know, an average of, you know, a, you I, know got, I got a little something. Guy. I got a little something. Yeah. You see some striations on the shoulder. I was going to say, yeah, does it bother you sometimes when fans go, Oh, he should be winning these fights. He's, you know, he's like a bum. He's not, he doesn't look like this. It's like, wait a minute here. This is about fighting. This isn't bodybuilding. It's all about fighting here, people. No, nah, they, they don't bother me, man. Everyone has their own opinion. You can't, you know, some people will be amazed by it. Some people will will think it's uh, it's not right. But it doesn't matter. It's where I'm comfortable. And I'm just doing my thing. And, um, yeah, I, I even in 205, I, I'd look like the smaller guy, you know, because when I get to 205, I look, I look super skinny. I look like I should be 85, but I can't make 85. I haven't won. I haven't weighed 185 since I was 14, you know, and I was, I was just skinny, skin and bones. I'm a, I'm a denser guy. So I, I, I like to be on the heavy side and um, I feel comfortable there. So don't really care about the fans too much. Oh, what they say about that too much. In between, you know, it's, it's, you're fighting in August. You, you know, the last fight we saw, we saw was all the way back in February. Last, last year. I mean, so in between, like, what do you do? Basically, to make sure you keep in shape and vaults at the same time, make sure that 
you're not losing it because I have no fights. I'm trying to do something here. What do I do to keep, you know, busy? Like for you, how do you sort of, you know, keep I train year round. Yeah. I I train year round. I I stay in the gym all the time. I, um, after the fight, I'll go in the gym the next day or the next, or that Monday. Coaches will kick me out. Then I'll try to take a week off, start going crazy, and then head back to the gym. Uh, I really love fighting. I really like training. Uh, the reason I fight is so I can train all day. I went to on my first job. I went to I went to work. As I walked in, had my first client. I was like, I right, I can't do this. I got to I got to go to training, and that's why that's why I do it, man. It's it's a lifestyle I like to live. So you all right, so you don't train other people like you know a lot of, a lot of guys are personal trainers on the side of a they coach other people fight other people never made you you don't like doing that correct i like working with if if it's my friends and helping them out with their fights i don't mind but i i just the regular uh i don't want to say anything bad but like like the civilian like, no, like the regular, regular people person. it's like okay yeah you just you, yeah, general pop you, how much general you, pop yeah, yeah I, I i'm not a general pop kind of guy i've i've been an athlete I've done extreme athletics since I was five. Well, I don't know if you're a five-year-old, but starting seven years old, I would work out twice a day. You know, I'd, I'd swim in the morning before school and then swim again at night since I was seven all the way till uh, in my 20s till college. Like I always had two, three workouts a day from the age of seven. So I didn't know people couldn't do push-ups, for example, you know? So I, I and then having to go back to that beginning stage, you'd be like, all right, Give me some pushes, like oh, I can't, and then I'm like, all right, and it's, it just doesn't. It's a different world for me, you know. No, I get. It. So, I mean, for you, how much, how frustrating was it when you, as you said, you try to do this and uh, like, holy crap, you can't do a pull up. What do you mean? You, you play about push up. Pushing was easy. Wait, oh, jumping rope, you can't jump rope. You're killing me, your smalls. You're killing me. Exactly. Everybody knows so, how to jump rope. That's that's. I didn't know that people couldn't know that people couldn't. I get it. You must have been going crazy, like jumping rope little kids jump rope how can you not and you're just walking out like i need to get away i'm gonna lose it coach i'm about to lose it here i can't can't jump rope i didn't I'm lose it, lose it but, but yeah you know it's just it's a i didn't i didn't understand and it, it, or i just don't understand just it don't understand it so how does the little lady handle all this and because as you said this is your passion it's your career you know you're getting into it and there's probably days where she's like um, not a big deal here. They can't jump rope, or it's not a big deal. But you know, you don't go to the gym. You could actually hang out. It's like, no, I gotta go to the gym. It's my home, you, and she must. Oh, I mean, my wife. Okay, you need my you wife. need to take vacation. So I do have days off if days off. if I feel tired or if I didn't sleep that that well that day, or or you know I'm injured or something. I'll take I'll try to take a day off, but I'll I'll, I'll make sure off. I always do something. You know, um, it's not. It's what I love. It's but it's I'm not gonna kill my body for it anymore. I'm not that young anymore. When I was 20, you know, you you could wake up with a broken arm. The next day you'll be fine. Go train again. Now you now I actually need breaks sometimes. So, but I enjoy it. And I on my off time I I play video games. So I'm good. So last question. Let's go. And oh. this has been something on my, on my mind here with you. It's like okay, so. All this is going on, as you mentioned before, you're, you're training, as you said, you're, you're trying to, you know, train smarter. Like, how do you do that, Ben, especially with a budget? Because you have, like, 
the modern athlete now, it's like, oh, they have money. Hey, we're going to get hyper, you know, hyperbolic chamber. Hey, we're going to, you know, get a, a chef to help cook us food and, you know, make it better. You're still not <laughs> at that money yet. So for you, how do you fight smarter? How do you train smarter when you're still in the budget? It's like, okay, how am I going to pull this off? Because you don't want to spar too much, but you also want to still get stronger, get fitter, quicker. How do you do all that with a limited budget? Man, I'm not going to lie. It kind of always just works out. Um, it kind of just works out. I, I, I don't do any special meal plans or anything. Uh, my wife cooks for me, and she's a great cook. And then I... Uh, I try to spar most of the time and then, and that's it. Like, luckily enough, I, I could last six months with, with from one fight first, you know, and then uh, make it to the next. So after this one, I, I preferably like to fight every three to four months. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't this, this time because of in May, all the fights were international and I, I, had my, I had to wait for my passport to come from my country. And, um, just took a little longer, but it, I, I make it work somehow, man. I honestly, I can't even tell you how, but I'm pretty fortunate that it does. Oh, my well, wife. Very, <laughs> I was going to say very heavily, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we have a uh, proud to have on the show. I give you it is, uh, well, one of the uh, best kept secrets in the heavyweight division. That's probably going to end soon. I give you it is uh, Saeed Salma. Saeed, before I let you go, where can fans check you out at? Where is a Twitter page, Instagram, a website. Who are the also the sponsors going to be for you this fight coming up once again, August 12th on Sioux Falls, South Dakota? No sponsors for this fight yet. If, anyone's want, uh, if anyone wants to sponsor, you can reach me at uh, on my Instagram, just Saeed Salma. And then um, my Twitter as well, Saeed Salma. Just my name. <laughs> Saeed Sama, ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's going to be August 12th, only on Showtime. It's Bellator 284 at Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the Sanford Pentagon. And we come back. Got a lot more going on here, only on his last call. Last call with the alcohol, only on Anchor FM. <laughs>